The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the available lines ahead of the college basketball tournament on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsibility responsible gaming resources. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story, and I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Hello, Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome back to BGN Radio. This is episode number 35. I'm John Stolnes from BleedingGreenNation.com. You can follow me on Twitter, at John Stolnes. Got a big show coming up here for you. Uh, we got some breaking Eagles news as uh, we're recording this here on Thursday night. We'll tell you all about uh, a member of the team, a, a valued member of the team who was lost last year, who will be here in 2019. We'll tell you how uh, who we're talking about. Also, we'll get, in, get into some uh, Eagles free agents stay or go uh, some news in the NFC East with the Cowboys and of course with Super Bowl 52 coming up on Sunday we will preview that game for you coming up here in just a second but joining me as he does every Thursday night for BGN radio is the man behind bleedinggreennation.com may he reign forever Brandon Lee Gouton follow him on Twitter at Brandon Gouton BLG it's Super Bowl week buddy and I know you know the Eagles aren't playing in the Super Bowl it just doesn't feel the same this year doesn't feel the same, but I have some news, and not a lot of people are talking about this. Um, it hasn't been reported enough. I guess maybe, uh, you know, I'm somewhat to blame here for not writing about it on BleedingGreenNation.com. This year's Super Bowl doesn't matter. In fact, none of the Super Bowls <laughs> matter except for last year. Last year, the 2018 Super Bowl, Super Bowl 52, where the Eagles defeated the New England Patriots, was actually the only Super Bowl that mattered. I mean, again, not a lot of people are talking about this. They don't know, but it's true. Uh, you're just going to have to take my word for it. Well, that's why the new BGN Memories podcast that I put out on Thursday was about Super Bowl 52. You know, I was trying to think of the next thing to do, and, you know, it's Super Bowl week, so I kind of wanted to have a Super Bowl theme, but, you know, who wants to listen to a podcast about the Super Bowls the Eagles lost? I mean, that's that's no fun. So, you know, I why not just relive the only Super Bowl that's ever mattered? Super Bowl 52. I couldn't agree more, buddy. So um, check out uh, the BGN Memories uh, podcast on the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed. And also uh, Kisten Solak have some good, good stuff up there. The QB Sco show uh, that was uh, that came out this week, taking a look at uh, Brady and Jared Goff and the, the offenses for the Super Bowl was excellent as well. So uh, make sure that you are subscribing to Bleeding Green Nation's podcast feed and um, uh, subscribing, rating, reviewing, all that stuff on Apple Podcasts. All right, BLG, I mentioned at the top that we have some news that's breaking, and uh, that news is Rodney McLeod, who the Eagles missed desperately last year when he went out with an injury, has agreed to rework his contract that will keep him in Philadelphia through next year. And for a team with some cap space issues, BLG, this is big news on two fronts. One, they get to keep a quality player on the roster for next year. And two, they get some much-needed cap help. Yeah, we don't know the exact details yet in terms of the cap relief. Maybe that'll come up by the time you are listening to this podcast. But it seems like it should be somewhat significant. I mean, he was he was set to have a $9.9 million cap number in 2019. Also, he was set to be under contract for 2020. I don't know if he isn't anymore. Like, I don't think we know that definitively either. The The phrasing in the announcement that the Eagles put out is that he is now, you know, signed through the team or, or is going to be with the team through 2019. So I'm assuming maybe that final year of his deal kind of got lopped off. I don't know. I don't know that exactly. But uh, in the short term for now, what we do know is that this is a good thing for the Eagles to be yeah. keeping Rodney McLeod. He's a good player. He's not, you know, he's not a quite a pro bowl player or all pro kind of level player, but he, he's good. I, I would say, he, you know, he's an above average starter for sure. 
Um, he, he's someone you want to have back there, and he's important. You just, I think, yeah. you kind of hinted at it there. Like when the Eagles lost Rodney McLeod in 2018, all of a sudden Corey Graham is your starting safety, and that's just not good enough. That's not ideal. And then you know, obviously, the Eagles were putting Avante Maddox back there at, at certain points. So to, to have Rodney McLeod back is great. Of course, he has to get healthy because he suffered that ACL slash MCL. And I don't think a lot of people realize that, by the way, or picked up on that. So at the time, it was only reported as an MCL injury, but there's actually an ACL there involved too. So you oh, know, I don't know exactly you know when he's going to be fully healthy. Hopefully, you know, it'll be sooner than later. He did get hurt in late September in the 2018 season. So we will see about that. But having him back... And certainly, seemingly at a, a lower number, a cap figure is great. So you're saving some cap space. You're bringing Rodney McLeod back. Now you have Malcolm Jenkins and Rodney McLeod as your starting safeties when they're healthy. They still have to find that third safety. You know, Corey Graham is a free agent and they'll probably just retire. And they, they, they shouldn't bring him back anyway. So they'll have to find that guy. Maybe it's Trey Sullivan. Maybe Avanti Maddox takes some snaps there in addition to playing corner. That's one of the things that I'm, I guess I'm thinking about a lot coming out of this McLeod restructure is it kind of gives a little bit of clarity because I think it, it makes it more likely that Maddox is going to be playing corner in 2019, which is you know something mm-hmm. interesting to kind of think about there. But honestly, I mean, they have a, a whole offseason to figure that out. Like they're, you know, don't need to figure that out exactly right now. They can kind of tinker with that in the offseason for now. McLeod is coming back. Uh, he's coming back at a number that will help save the Eagles some cap space. So it's all very good news. And this probably isn't the last guy that's going to agree to restructure their deal a little bit. I think um, I've seen different places that Timmy Jernigan could be a guy who restructures his yeah. deal a little bit. And um, there's a couple other guys who could could rework their deal to give the Eagles a little bit more flexibility because they they do have they are it is tight against the cap and they're going to need some of that flexibility if they want to add. Uh, any free agents uh, from the outside, and of course you got to pay the draft picks that you sign that that you that you pick up as well. So um, obviously Ho- Howie Roseman's great at this, though BLG. I mean this yeah. this is where he makes his money, isn't it? <laughs> at this point, the way we've seen Howie work the cap for years now, I mean, why are you even worried? Like as a fan, you know, like, what, what, <laughs> do, what do you worry? Yeah, like what could you possibly be concerned about? I mean, he always finds a way to make it work out. Now, I guess you could say, you know, he's never had to pay a franchise quarterback. And that's certainly a fair point. Uh, you know, the Eagles. And that's on the horizon potentially. On, obviously, it, it could happen. It could happen by the time you listen to this podcast. It can happen any time now. As soon as the 2000, uh, I think as, as it's actually as soon as like December ended is when Carson Wentz officially became eligible. So he's eligible now for that contract extension. We don't know for sure when it's coming. If it's going to come this year or later, but you know, it can at any point really. So. That's that's you know what the reality is in the future of this team. So I guess you know when you consider that it's a little more complicated than it's ever been for Howie Roseman for sure. But you just have some level of faith. You know he's gonna he's gonna figure it out. He's gonna make this work. They can always restructure guys. They can always you know ask people to take pay cuts. They can always make trades and, and you know, roster cuts. They're gonna find a way to make it work. So I wouldn't worry about that so much. No, absolutely. This is just what Howie Roseman does. This is he's a magician when it comes when it comes to the cap. So, um, but this is the first domino to fall in that regard, and so it'll be great to have Rodney McLeod on the team in 2019. Brings a little bit more certainty to the secondary uh, for 2019. Uh, let's also talk about we we heard some news this week, and um, not exactly sure how strong this news is, how strong the sourcing is on this news, but mm. talking about Nick Foles and. Uh, what the Eagles could potentially do with him here uh, during the offseason. And according to Denver radio host Cecil Lammy, he's reporting that the Eagles are likely to just let Nick Foles walk free and clear into free agency without any kind of franchise tag or any kind of trade scenario. He says on 104.3 The Fan in Denver earlier this week that um, they thought that they might, that the thought is that they might just go ahead and, and tag him and try to trade him anyway. But from, from what uh, this guy Cecil Lammy was told, that they don't have the salary cap space to do that because and because of that you're going to see Nick Foles free and clear now obviously they gave themselves a little bit more room here but you know I guess first of all we just kind of have to consider the source here this is not coming from anyone closely connected to the Eagles organization it's coming from somebody who's in a city where Nick Foles could potentially land as a free agent or as part of a trade the Denver Broncos um, could certainly look to upgrade a quarterback and and look at Nick Foles as a possibility to do that but if if in order for me to really 
embrace this kind of a rumor, BLG. I would have liked to have heard it come from you or from one of the other Eagles beat writers who follow this team closely on a day-by-day basis. But what do you make of this report? John, I hate these kind of reports. I hate them so much. (laughs) And look, it's no disrespect to uh, Cecil. I'm not saying he's just making stuff up. That's not what I'm saying here. What I'm saying is that I just hate when reports come out, quote-unquote reports, that are basically just like common sense. Like, that's what this is. Like, this isn't... Yeah. Like, like, I don't, no offense, Cecil, but like, I don't need to tell you, I don't need you to tell me that you have sources that the Eagles don't have a lot of cap space. Like, you know, <laughs> we all know that. Go to overthecap.com. Yeah. I don't need, you don't need a source for that. I mean, I guess I get it in the sense of, like, again, he heard something. He clearly did. I'm not saying he made it up, but I just, I don't yeah. really know what we learned. You know, I, I think we pretty much knew, and we've been, I've been saying, you've been saying, I've been saying, we've been saying on BGN radio all along that, that's the most likely option that the Eagles pick up yeah. his $20 million option. And then Nick Foles pays the Eagles back 2 million. He opts out. Then he's a free agent. That's always been the most likely scenario. Um, I don't think it's impossible that, you know, Foles and the Eagles could work together as we kind of talked about last episode or that the Eagles could put the tag on him. I don't think it's impossible that those things can happen, but it's never been the likely thing. So that's another reason why I just don't like reports like this. Cause it's like, even if he didn't have inside info, you know, you could just put this out there and you're probably right anyway because it's just the right. likely thing. So, again, I'm not saying that's what's happening. I just I don't like when that kind of happens, that kind of report comes out. And then, honestly, I don't even want to write about it, but I feel like I have to because other people are talking about it. And I kind of want to be like, OK, guys, this isn't exactly news. So you kind of put that out there. But, yeah, I think the interesting thing that you kind of touched on is where this is coming from because it's. It's not an eagle source, or at least it doesn't seem like it would be one, because why is that getting to a Denver radio host? But um, right. yeah, I don't know. This doesn't really change a lot for me. It's that's always been the most likely option that he's going to walk. Again, I just I don't rule it out that they could trade him. Just you know, the small chance of something happening that unexpected, especially with Howie Roseman running things there. But you know, it's just. If you had to bet on something happening, you would bet on him, Nick Foles, walking in free agency. And I just don't see Nick Foles complicating this situation for himself. I know that he probably wants to do right by the Eagles, but by agreeing to try and work out a trade instead of just entering the free agent market, mm-hmm. you know, it just doesn't make sense for him. And well, I, I, I get if the Eagles franchise him. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. So it, what if his market is just not as strong, you know, as he thinks it could be? Like, what if what if it's looking weaker? And there's some buzz that that could be the case. Tony Pauline had, was kind of talking about that at the Senior Bowl. Like, there's talk that, like, there's not really going to be a big market for Foles. So if that's the case, and then he's kind of just sitting out there on the market, then his value could potentially go down. Again, this is just devil's advocate. I'm not saying like, this is the most yeah, yeah. thing. But I, I just think, like, if he realizes that he doesn't have this strong market anyway – and maybe there's like only really one team that wants him at that point. Like, what if he can just play good guy and kind of work out with the Eagles? You know what I mean? I'm just, again, I don't think sure. that's likely. I'm just saying, like, you can't totally discount those small possibilities. You know, it's interesting. After the Super Bowl last year, when we talked a lot about the possibility of Nick Foles going someplace else, and I think it seemed more likely right after the Super Bowl that that could happen. And then during the course of the course of the offseason, it just never materialized. The Eagles decided they wanted to hold on to Foles, and it turned out to be the right decision. Like, he helped get them back into the playoffs this year, and you know, getting the draft pick would have been nice. But it, you know, the other side of that coin is you made the playoffs in the season after the Super Bowl, largely because of Foles. And so, uh, for me, I'm I'm glad they chose not not to trade him. But here you have a situation where, like last year, it seemed like there was a lot of buzz about Foles right after the season. But it seems as though the, the more people think about Nick Foles as their frontline quarterback the more it seems people talk themselves out of it. You know, not and I'm not talking about just like people just who wow, like watching such football. Wow, a Foles hater. Uh, no, I love you. Know, and you know, you know I, I like Foles, but I do think that if you're a team, if you're a general manager and you're thinking about giving a quarterback a lot of money, mm-hmm. especially if you already have a, a quarterback soaking up a lot of money like Jacksonville does with Blake Bortles or something like that, then – is this the guy you want to dump a bunch of money into? Now, of course, there are GMs in this league who give Sam Bradford lots of money. I mean, so it's yeah. there are there are places I'm sure Nick Foles could land, but I guess there's a question around the league, and it's an understandable question as to whether or not Foles would fit into a, an offensive system that isn't run by Doug Peterson. I think that's I think that's a fair thing to wonder, and I guess maybe that's one of the reasons why his market might be a little limited at this point. 
wow, John, how dare you? Just, you know, you're, you've always been Hate the Nick, Nick Foles, Foles hater uh, on oh, this yeah. podcast. It hasn't that been guy, me ever. Me a... It's just you. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for real, though. I mean, just, yeah, I think that's a fair point. And that's something, again, that Tony Pauline was saying. Like, there's there's some thought out there in the league that, you know, how much of Nick Foles' success is him and how much of it is being in a scheme under Doug Peterson, who's a really good head coach. And obviously, we've seen Foles have success in the NFL without Doug Peterson. He was really good. 27 and two back in 2013. So I'm not saying it's all Doug, but you know, there's, there, I think there's some kind of reasonable concern about the scheme and, and all that out there. And and really when I just, I think of Nick Foles destinations this off season, I mean, you can think of places that, you know, like make logical sense, but is there a, is there really a slam dunk team out there? I mean, the giants could keep Eli. I don't think Foles would want to go to Washington. Like, you know, I, I just can't see no, that. He wants spot. to go and play yeah. for Dan Snyder, like Nick Foles, you know, who, a guy who clearly like the environment and all that's really important to him. I mean, if they're offering him like a billion dollar contract, yeah, I'm sure he's going to sign it. But that's, you know, yeah. would have to be some kind of like ridiculous offer like that, I think. Um, you know, they still have Alex Smith on the books, even if they don't think he can play in 2019. And that's the report. Like, you know, do they really want to and does Foles want to go there knowing that Alex Smith could come back next year? So like it's just kind of like where's the slam dunk team for him case keenum is still due money in denver um and does Foles even want to go there to kind of potentially take that job from his former teammate like i don't know you know they were together with the rams there um right so i don't i don't know i mean jacksonville you know we've talked about maybe them but i think miami's miami's starting to make a lot more sense they want to trade Tannehill, yeah but again then you're just we're really talking about one team here that where it really makes a lot of sense. That's exactly my point. What I was saying earlier, like if that's your one team, that's not a market. Like that's one team. I mean, all it takes is one team to have that offer, but I'm just saying it's not like he's going to have this, or he potentially might not have this strong bidding war with, with all these people going after him. So, um, I don't know, maybe that helps a trade scenario, but, uh, yeah, I guess, I guess Miami would have to be the spot at this point. And, you know they'd have to move on from Tannehill, but I don't know. Like it, it seems weird. They like Miami seems kind of like they almost want to tank. It seems like like just kind of looking at what the the tea leaves are going down there. So I don't know yeah. if Nick Foles is part of that plan or what. But um, and I don't know if Nick Foles even wants to go there, knowing you know that there's kind of buzz that they're kind of playing to lose or whatever. So I I don't know. It's um it's definitely it'll be interesting to see what happens. Again, I've I've floated that possibility before that. I don't. I think there's a non-zero chance he just retires. I don't think it's the most likely thing, but like, if there's just no one out there, I don't know. So I don't know. It's it'll be interesting. It's just I, I legitimately, we all legitimately don't have a good feel for this. No, but I, I really do believe that he, no matter what the market is outside of Philadelphia, coming back to Philadelphia next year for the reasons we've talked about on the podcast over these last few weeks, yeah, <laughs> to me is to me is untenable at this point. This this yeah. has to be. Carson Wentz's team free and clear of Nick Foles is as much of a legend as he is. It's it's time for uh, Carson Wentz to to take over this team without having to look over his shoulder. So, yeah, we'll see this play out here over the next couple of weeks. And, of course, uh, be interesting to see whether whether or not Foles lands someplace before the draft. Uh, I would imagine he probably will because teams would want to know uh, whether or not yeah. they're going to, you know, if you have for an early sure. pick whether you're going to spend that capital on a quarterback. Although, you know, the deal is with with Foles is, is like he's 30 years old. You know, how much, how long is he going to play for? You know, maybe yeah. you have a guy who plays he plays for a year or two and you draft a guy at uh, you know, in the top 15 or the top 10 or whatever and and groom him behind Nick Foles. You could do a lot worse than that as as far as having a mentor for another quarterback to watch. So, yeah, lots he's of not going to sign like 5 months after free agency begins like Bryce Harper or Manny Machado or whatever. <laughs> I have to remember this isn't like major league baseball free agency where we're mm. all ready to blow our brains out. Uh, Chris Long, also uh, BLG, uh, made the rounds in the media uh, this last week, um, was on a bunch of different um, outlets, and uh, a lot of talk about whether or not he's going to retire or whether he's going to come back in 2019. He turns 34 in March, but uh, he told the Marks and Reese show on WIP that he wants to play next year, so it doesn't sound like retirement is on the books. You know, with the futures of, of Brandon Graham and Michael Bennett kind of up in the air, how much do you think the Eagles are itching to get Chris Long back in their defensive line shuffle for 2019? I would hope they want him back. I think the thing with on Long's end, he kind of even mentioned it in that interview talking about like he kind of 
wants to see almost what the Eagles' plan is at defensive end. I feel like he just wants to get playing time. You know, I, I don't think he wants to come back and play like, you know, 20% of the snaps. And I don't think that'd be the case. The Eagles go four deep usually at defensive end and all those guys get it around like, you know, 60, 70, 50% of the playing time. They split it up, but everyone gets to play. And uh, Chris Long was super productive for this team last year. I mean, he ranked 35th out of 109 edge rushers in pro football focuses. Pressure rate stat. He ranked sixth in quarterback hits. Like, you know, this is a very valuable pass rusher to have coming off the bench here, especially, you know, moving forward, too, if you're if you're going to lose Brandon Graham. And with Michael Bennett being another year older, like you you want to have, you know, yeah. as many good defensive ends in here. And it's just it's just clearly a position this Eagles team values. Like they're they're going to spend resources in that position. They're not gonna go with a bunch of young guys and rookies. Like I know, you know, we're talking about how how great of a defensive line class this is and, and there's truth to that, but they're not gonna just like be like, Okay, Derek Gornett, uh pick number twenty five. Josh Sweat, you know, Deshaun Hall, here you go. Like, no, that's that's not going to happen. They're not going to – or even like all those guys and Michael Bennett. It's just – I don't think that's enough. Like, they, they want veteran players, established players in that room. And I think, you know, you have Chris Long under contract here. It's a fair number. Um, if he retires, the Eagles would save uh, $5.3 million. So he's under uh, – the, the his cap hit in 2019 is 5.6. So I, I would just, you know, hope you can keep him and bring him back. And I hope he comes back in 2019 because if you don't, I mean, that's just another hole you have at defensive end with Brandon Graham already potentially leaving in free agency. And then, you know, we're, we're all expecting Michael Bennett to stay, but he's 33 years old. I mean, isn't it kind of funny? I mean, like same age as Chris Long, basically. Yeah, <laughs> like, right. We don't talk about him retiring and, and he could. Um, so who knows? Like, so hopefully – Chris Long will be back because the Eagles, you know, they don't need to be opening more holes at positions they already need to fill them at. Yeah, the the thing with the Eagles' edge rushers uh, situation is that th- there seems to be a lot of options for the Eagles this time around. I mean, they have a couple of their own guys, um, like you mentioned with Brandon Graham and, and and Chris Long, who they could make a decision on whether or not to, to re-sign. And it seems with each passing day, to me, like Brandon Graham isn't coming back. Oh. Um, I, and you know, it just—I don't know. It, It's—I I feel like that the 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 number that it would take to re-sign him just would be—it would just be a little bit too far out of the Eagles' price range at this point. But you know, obviously he could take a hometown discount. I don't know why he would why why you would take a hometown discount. But you know, I, maybe he'll be back, and, and the team decides that they don't want to bring back Michael Bennett. But I don't see how you can keep Graham Bennett and Long because I, I feel like you need to get. I mean, obviously, you're hoping that Derek Barnett comes back next year and can provide that youth from from the edge that these other three guys don't really have. But I don't know that you want to ride into 2019 with three aging defensive ends and one young unproven guy and have that be your foursome, especially when you've got options in the free agent market like Demarcus Lawrence, like Jadavian Clowney, Frank Clark, D. Ford, Trey Flowers, Cameron Wake, a lot of a lot of other names in free agency that could be a big help. And, and an, I would even say in some cases, a big upgrade at the defensive end position, BLG. How dare you? Um, it's, it's, <laughs> I'm just, it's imp- I'm blaspheming all over the place tonight, <sighs> it's, man. It's, it's impossible for me to say, don't resign. Bert. Like, I can't, how could you, how could anyone say that? Honestly, like, I know there's like a, you know, there's a, um, a business side. Like you have to have that mindset mm-hmm. of what's best for the team, but this is a very special situation. Like, this is, and especially for Howie Roseman, like think about that. This was Howie's first ever draft pick. I'm not saying that means he's 100% going to keep him, but there has to be, you know, part of you, who, human nature, that's like, man, this is not, you know, an easy decision. Brennan Graham yeah. is such a great presence in that locker room. It's just someone who like makes everyone else happy because he's such a happy guy. And um, you just want to root for him personally. Like, you know, put the journalistic objectivity guys, whatever, aside, like, Brandon Graham is just from, you know, as far as I can tell, is just a great guy. Um, you know, he's always posting pictures with his daughter on Instagram. He just seems like a great guy, a great dad. Yeah. He's he obviously, he's just been through it, man. He, he, you know, he, he got drafted by the Eagles. All he heard is that, you know, he wasn't Earl Thomas. He got hurt early on. Mm-hmm. People were calling him a bust, which was stupid because he wasn't even, he wasn't even ever bad in his career. He just got hurt, and people thought he was a bust because he got hurt, which is a stupid thing. And then, you know, he mm-hmm. comes on. He makes literally the biggest play in Eagles history. He slayed the dragon of Tom Brady, where Tom Brady always wins that game. Like, no one ever stops Tom Brady, 
forever in right. that situation. Right. And he did it. Yeah. Like he is a yeah. legend forever. And I just, I can't say like, oh, you can't keep him. Now, with that said, like, <clears throat> man, if you look at Spot Rack, which does some free agent projections, I mean, Brandon Graham is projected to receive contract worth $80 million. So that's sixteen million a year, mm-hmm. and really, that's not that's not a crazy number, like relative to the market. That's market price. Like that's that's what JPP is making. That's what some of these other pass rushers of his kind of ilk are making. So that's just what it might be. Now you have to consider when those players sign their deals. It's not always the same situation. In that Brandon Graham is, you know, he's going to be thirty-one. He is entering a free agent market that you just said is loaded with other pass rushers so that's going to drive the price down because it's not like you have 50 teams just bidding for his services like there's a lot of guys out there in free agency yeah and then you have the draft class so that's another factor as well so unfortunately for brandon graham he has some factors kind of working against him and maybe ultimately that's good for the eagles and they can kind of find a way to bring him back of course i'm not counting on it um if we're talking about free agent options though and we kind of talked about this last week in the podcast at the end. Tony Pauline had said that he had heard the Eagles are targeting a top free agent pass rusher. And the way he said it didn't make it me think he was talking about Brandon Graham. He sounded like he was talking about someone who isn't on the team. That's just my read on it. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure yeah. that's kind of uh, I, I got the right vibe there. Now, again, you kind of just mentioned all the names there. Like there are a ton of guys. And that's part of the good news, I guess, to look at this whole situation. Like there's no way the Eagles um are like screwed it's like oh we lost brandon graham now what there's no options no like there there are plenty of options out there it's just about finding the right ones and i think two of the guys to watch are zadarius smith who was a former ravens draft pick and that's obviously always mm-hmm. going to be worth mentioning because of the joe douglas thing and then ezekiel Ansa, who was the number five overall pick in the 2013 nfl draft which is Jim Schwartz says last season with the Lions. So I think those are two guys to kind of watch out for. They're younger than Brandon Graham. Um, maybe I, I, it's, it's just hard to see the Eagles spending huge in free agency, really any position, because we know their cap situation. But yeah. like, like the thing about that is it goes back to defensive end is a position I just don't think they're going to mess around out. Like they're not going to try yeah. to get cute or like try to save money at that position. That's not what they're going to do. They're going to put serious resources into that position. So that's why I buy it. Like that's, they're going to invest in the trenches because it literally helped them win the Super Bowl. So that's just going to, that's just what it's going to be. So I don't know again, exactly what the Eagles are going to do here. Just don't have a lot, a a super great sense. And that's with so many things this off season, but they're going to have options. And that's, that's what we do know. And that's the good news. Right, and and you mentioned they they are going to devote resources to this position. That could be their first round draft pick as well, and yes. uh, that's also you know that that's hopefully an impact player who can help out relatively soon, if not right away. So we'll just kind of have to see how things shake out. Well, listen, coming up, we're going to get into some Dallas Cowboys news. Uh, we got a little bit of disappointing news from Jerry Jones here on Thursday. We will relate to you and also play a quick game of. Philadelphia, we'll look at some other Eagles free agents and ask the question, stay or go? We'll get to that up next right here on BGN Radio. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, BLG, well, listen, uh, with with the Dallas Cowboys, we, we were hoping that their NFC East title and uh, their playoff, uh, their, their first-round playoff victory would result in the kind of euphoria in the Dallas front office, which would maybe cause them to do something a little foolish. And obviously we were talking about them offering Jason Garrett an extension of some kind because you and I and the rest of the, really the NFL, um, doesn't think much of Jason Garrett as a head coach. And you know the thinking was, hey, you won the division again, Jason Garrett, and you, you won a playoff game? Man, you are a coach on the rise. Jerry, lock this guy up. But 
ESPN uh, is reporting uh, that Jones is now not expected to offer Garrett an extension, meaning that Jones that uh, Garrett will enter 2019 as a lame duck coach. BLG, he told a local Dallas radio station, I think I've made clear how I feel about Jason in terms of where he is right now as far as our ability to help us win football games. I think if you look at what we've done over the last few years, you'll see a pretty good winning record there, but it's not enough. Not enough. So, unfortunately, BLG... Jason Garrett, we're not guaranteed any more than just one more year from him. It's kind of a bummer, buddy. I mean, I think it's actually good news for the Eagles because, I mean, like, I mean, like, think or, or, or just think about how good it is, you know, that we're, we don't have to worry um, about Jason Garrett. You know, I mean, or, you know, like it, it would be terrible to have him stay in the division is what I'm trying to say here. Like, you know, Cowboys, if you're listening yeah. to this, definitely Dangerous. don't sign him to an extension. Like, that, like, please don't do that. That would be terrible. Like, Dak Prescott, too. Definitely. Come on. You can't extend him. You are the master. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> um, hopefully they're you listening. Had, seriously, for like the first 20 seconds there, I, I was like, man, this is a sea change for BLG. <laughs> I, I bit it, man. Definitely I bit on not. it hard. Well, thank you. At least one person did. So, yeah. Uh, it's, I bit it's on that double weird. move like Jalen Mills, BLG. <laughs> oh, you got nice. me. I Perfect. Was, you did. Perfect. Poor Jalen. Um, <laughs> it's true, though. It's it's true that um, uh, it's, it's just weird. It is a weird move, I feel like, by them. Because it's like, are you committed to him? Or are you not? Like, if you're not feeling good enough to commit to him now, why is your head coach? Like, you know what I mean? That's, yeah. that's kind of – yeah, like, make a decision. Now, I guess I get – somewhat of like okay the pressure's on him like he's either going to turn in a really good year of coaching and you know they're going to extend him or he's not and they're going to move on so i guess you know i get it from that sense but you know if, if i'm a cowboys fan which i'm not i would kind of just be like can we just be done with him or commit to him already like find it like make a decision instead of just being in this weird neutral area but uh but yeah i don't know i, I guess it's probably going to play out where the cowboys will not be too great and again next year, and I, I think they'll finally actually move on from him. I was reading uh, recently about how uh, the Cowboys are one of the teams in um, – Bill Barn well, did a piece on ESPN about how um, – looking at some over-unders already, believe it or not, for the 2019 season. It's a little early, but okay. A little bit early. <laughs> but uh, just, you know, there are some factors you can kind of look at early on that kind of point to a team, you know, under or overperforming their win total. And the Cowboys are listed at 8.5 right now. And um, he kind of wrote about how Dallas finished 8-2 and two in games divided by um, seven points or fewer in 2018. And as we know, those are kind of toss-ups. Like, so just, you know, going by natural regression, the Cowboys are probably going to regress in 2019 if that pattern holds um they were 10 and 6 this past season but if you look at like their actual um pythagorean theorem kind of win there they played more like an 8.4 win team so you know they were they, they they overachieved basically is what i'm trying to say so i think there will be some regression there i just again i just don't think uh, garrett's obviously not good uh, we can make fun of them for the Pro Bowl, which, uh, by the way, I oh man, that was that was amazing. <laughs> Just for like blogging the boys to be like, yeah, you guys should watch the Pro Bowl this year because the Cowboys' new offensive coaching staff, whatever. And it's like, all right, not. I mean, that's a, a silly angle, I think, in the first place. But like, whatever. Yeah. And then the Cowboys naturally go and they what they scored like seven points the whole game in a game where yeah. like there's no real there's no blitzing there's no like real defensive yeah. game plan. Um, now you can say there's no offensive, super offensive game plan, but I mean, like still like it, it's clearly a game favored towards offense and they only scored seven points. So, yeah. uh, yeah. and, and just the quick turn of how that didn't matter anymore, by the way, was great too. It was like, Hey, Cowboys yeah. fans, watch <laughs> the Pro Bowl. It matters. And then like halfway through the game, they're like, if you're tweeting about this, like it means anything, get off Twitter. And then by the end of the game, they're just like, "Well, let's just pretend this didn't happen." So, so. yeah, we 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 shot our shot. It didn't it didn't go in. But yeah, that was a Amazing. quick uh, old takes exposed. Uh, usually, you have to wait about a few months in order for that to work. But that was literally <laughs> in the span of a few hours. So that was pretty. And they have Kellen Moore was named their new offensive coordinator uh, for Scott Linehan. John Kitten is going to be the QB coach. And you know, anytime anytime you've got. Um, 
you know, offensive you know, changes to big time coordinators and assistant coaches like that. And yet the existing head coach is staying and he's going into a lame duck season. That does not bode well for your existing head coach, for the guys right underneath you, new guys to be brought in. I mean, it's just aching for a change to be made at the end of the 2019 season for 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 like Kellen Moore to be elevated to that spot. You wonder if he didn't get this job as offensive coordinator to take over for Jason Garrett when, you know, his contract is up. But again, it's it's the Cowboys. I don't really care that much, but it's just kind of interesting some intrigue inside the palace there in Dallas. Um, see what happens with those guys during the course of the 2019 season. All right, let's play a quick game of Eagles free agents uh, stay or go, BLG. We've already mm. talked about Brandon Graham. Um, I guess we can say let's, you know, we'll, we'll put the hammer down on some of these guys. Nick Foles, we both believe, is gone. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll just ask straight out, Brandon Graham, are we asking should they stay or go or will they stay or go? I guess we need to make that clear. I guess we can do both. I think we should ask Will. Let's, okay. Yeah, I guess that's true. Um, yeah, we I discussed think we Brandon Graham. I think we should do both. I'm, uh, okay. I'm making the executive decision. Uh, it's your, what, whatever, how many minutes yeah. we're into this thing. <laughs> that's your call. All right, Brandon Graham. Um, I, I'm with you that he should stay. Do I think he will stay? <sighs> Man. The answer is I, no. <laughs> I, I don't think he will. I don't think he will. Oh, I, I, I think it it's... Uh, yeah, I don't want to see him go either, but I don't think he'll stay. I think he should stay. Yeah, I'm with you. It just... Well, for him, for his sake, I hope he gets the most money and is the most happy because yeah. that's what he deserves. And I will not... And no one should begrudge him for that. If if he gets the best deal and it's on another team, like, thank you for everything, Brandon. Like, you... You know, yeah. what more could you want Legend. to do at that point? Um, so I just want to, I will include with these ones we're going through just real quick that the BGN polling on them and we asked them, should the Eagles keep Brandon Graham? Mm-hmm. It is at 54% yes and 46% no. I'm surprised it's that low, actually. I, I would have thought higher than 54%. All right, moving on. Uh, Golden Tate, uh, BLG. They got Eagles got him for a third round pick, a heavy price. He obviously made a big play in the wild card round uh, against the Chicago Bears. But, you know, is there room for him on this team next year, especially with Nelson Aguilar coming back on that uh, rookie fifth year uh, of his contract? Uh, I don't know. What do you think about Golden Tate? Uh, Will he stay or go? And should he stay or go? Yeah, I mean, I just – I don't really see him coming back, although it's weird because Howie Roseman called the the Golden Tate trade a success in a weird way. It's not like I expected him to say it was a failure when he was asked about it, but he kind of like really stood behind it, you know, like extra firm, like a little bit kind of like unexpectedly so. You know, it wasn't like, you know, we tried it, worked out, uh, you know, we liked it. It it wasn't like kind of lukewarm. It was like really effusive, so that was weird. Um, so that kind of makes me doubt myself a little bit, but, and I just can't see it. Like he's the top free agent wide receiver on the market, really, when you look at it. And I just, I think he's going to get a lot of attention in free agency. And, you know, he was only here for a couple months. So I don't think he's you know, like, it feels especially tied to the area or anything. Um, yeah. yeah, I just, I don't see it. And, and I don't see why he would want to come back after the Eagles really couldn't find a way to use him super effectively. So I just, I don't really see it. Yeah, the Eagles, I think we, we've seen work best as a 12 personnel team, and they have a guy in Nelson Aguilar who does almost all of the things that Golden Tate does, so I agree. I don't think he should be back, and I don't think he will be back either. Uh, Haloti Nada on the, defensive, uh, on the defensive line had a couple games towards the end of the season where he showed you he wasn't dead anyway, but for most <laughs> of the season... Nicest thing was... you can say. <laughs> Basically, I think, you know, I I think we both agree he probably won't be back and probably shouldn't be back. Correct. He's going to be 36. So I'm imagining he just retires. Okay, Uh, Chance Warmack on the offensive line. He was soaking up a lot of cap space this year, too, unnecessarily. Had to bring it up. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, well, he's on this list that I have in front of me here. And uh, yeah, we, we both in agreement about Chance Warmack should be gone, will be gone. If he wants anything more than the vet minimum, just no. Just get out of here. Okay. <laughs> uh, Chris Maragos, who missed the whole season with an injury, he he is a, a valuable special teams guy, and I can't imagine BLG he would cost a whole lot. So I would be interested in bringing him back. Um, and I, I can't imagine why they wouldn't bring him back because, again, I don't think he would cost all that much, right? 
Well, he had that second surgery on his knee, like, late in the regular season. So, I don't know if he's ever mm. really, like, I don't know if he's going to play football again. I think he's going to be 32. So, mm. I'm, I'm assuming he might just retire. I mean, if he's available and he's healthy on a minimum, sure, why not? But I'm kind of just assuming he's retiring. I don't know. All right. Next name. This is an interesting one because the Eagles signed Mike Wallace this uh, past offseason to a one-year deal, hoping he'd be a field stretcher, and he just never got back on the field. He was he after getting hurt. Uh, what was it in week two? Did he get hurt? Yeah. Uh, after not making leg. a catch. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't have a catch in the first game of the season. I mean, you just talk about uh, a free agent signing that failed miserably. I'll throw this one to you first because I'm not sure that I know. Should he be back in 2019 and will he be back in 2019? I think he should because I think it'll work out where the price is going to be low. I mean, he's going to be, um, you know, he's coming off this injury. So how big can his market really be? He didn't really get that big of a deal last year to begin with. It was called one year, four million, but there was kind of a lot of incentives in there, how he kind of made it work in a way where the Eagles it didn't count against their comp pick. So, uh, he's going to be 33 in August. Like, I just can't see you know, the market really being big for him. So I, I think you would be able to bring him back cheap. You need that deep speed. Um, you know, you're not rushing to go out and pay him by any means. But I, I just think there mm-hmm. could be a point where it makes sense for both sides if, if, if Wallace wants to continue playing and it, it's cheap. I just think that, like, why not? To me, you know, uh, he was looking good in training camp. He still had that deep speed. I just think, you know, that's – Maybe the Eagles, you know, find a better option. Um, again, you're not rushing to sign him, but I, I wouldn't close the door on it. No, I wouldn't close the door on it either, but I, I, I like the idea of bringing Deshaun Jackson back into the fold in, in some way, shape, or form. I don't know exactly what that would entail, but um, barring not being able to do something like back like that, then yeah, I'd say you can bring Mike Wallace back, but uh, I don't know that uh, I don't know that I'm pining for that to happen. Uh, we talked about Corey Graham a minute ago, probably going to retire. Uh, mm-hmm. Darren Sproles, this is another interesting name because you know he's been talking about retiring for the last two years, but obviously getting hurt and missing all of 2017 made him hungry to come back in 2018, and then he missed almost all of last year. But when he did come back late in the season. He wasn't the dynamic player he used to be, but was effective and did some things really well in the role in which the Eagles asked him to be in. Uh, for me, I think he should be back, and I think he will be back next year, BL, this coming year, BLG. I would handle it similar to how they did last year when they didn't sign him until after the draft, so they had kind of already seen what they could do in free agency and in drafts and, or in the draft and all the moves they could make there. And I don't think Darren Sproles is going to be rushing to sign at all either on his end. So mm-hmm. I think that's kind of where I'd leave it. I kind of leave it as let's see what the Eagles can do. Maybe they can kind of get some running backs in here who fill his role and you kind of just don't need him at that point. And if it reaches that point, I wouldn't. But in general, I kind of do want him back just because I still still think he has some gas left in the tank. He's going to be cheap. So kind of what we were talking about earlier, the Eagles are limited on cap space, so they can't just spend like money everywhere. Like they're gonna go have to go cheap at some places, and I just think you know that's potentially an area where they could go cheap. The next guy is also very interesting, and I, I'm not exactly sure where I land on Ronald Darby BLJ because of the emergence of Avante Maddox this year, and we saw Razul Douglas uh, play very well when when they eventually got on the field and got enough reps and and started to feel comfortable in the secondary. If, if Jalen Mills is back and healthy and you've got Avante Maddox and you've got Russell Douglas, do you spend the money that it would need to take to keep Ronald Darby um, and uh, sign him for another however many years of guaranteed cash it would take to keep him in Philadelphia? No. <laughs> That's the answer. Yeah. No, I don't think you can. You have so much youth and talent in the secondary already without him. I just don't think it makes any sense. And honestly, he's he's probably one of the top corners on the market. So like teams are going to be after him in free agency, even coming off this ACL tear, I think, unless it's some kind of weird situation where his market totally just doesn't materialize and he's looking to come back on a one-year deal of some sort, a one-year prove-it deal. That's where I would consider it. But I like Ryan Darby. I think he's a good player. I just don't think it makes sense financially for the Eagles or really for him to to make that work where he comes back. So I think he's going to be gone. I think he should be gone. And really, he's probably someone you're really counting on to help get that comp pick formula going in the Eagles' favor. You know, meaning like he signed somewhere, and that's going to help the Eagles. You know, get that compensatory mm-hmm. pick. Uh, and with him, 
depending on the deal he gets, it could be a three or a four. So um, you, you kind of almost have to look at it that way. You know, like you're, you're almost trading him mm. for a future pick. And I think everyone would probably do that. Yeah, I would too. I, I think the I loved what I saw from Maddox, and I really thought Douglas played really well at the end of the season too. And you pair them with Jalen Mills, I, I think that's a very nice trio. You could get that trio on the field for pretty cheap. A um, couple other guys to mention here. Um, Jordan Hicks, I don't know what to make of Jordan Hicks, BLG, because there, are, there have been times during his Eagles career where he has played like an impact player, but he, he was, and the rest of the linebacking core was completely invisible in 2018. And I know that the Eagles defense is not set up like the Dallas Cowboys defense, but when you watch the Cowboys play and you see how athletic and versatile their linebackers are, it makes me want to have a couple of linebackers or at least one linebacker that can do some of those things. And I thought that Jordan Hicks was was going to be one of those guys at a certain point, but you know, for so much of the season he didn't miss much of the season. He he had a few games where he was out with an injury, but he really was healthy for the large majority of the season, and you never heard his name mentioned. I don't think I would bring him back next year, Brandon. I, I, I don't know if maybe – I don't know what else is out there. Haven't really looked that closely at uh, linebacker and free agency, but, you know, unless you get him again on a, on a cheaper deal, I might be looking to upgrade. Yeah, it's a weird spot. And speaking of athletic, Shil Kapati of The Athletic earlier uh, <laughs> this week had pointed out that Nigel Bradham and Jordan Hicks combined for zero interceptions and zero forced fumbles in 2018. Yeah. Now, to be fair to Jordan Hicks, he did have that one deflection, which caused that Kamu Uje Hill interception early in the Giants game. So he did have that play. Mm-hmm. But point being, yeah. it just, there weren't enough. And it's so weird because... For most of Jordan Hicks's career up to this season, he's really like been a ball magnet. Like that guy always makes plays on the ball. It was crazy. I remember yeah. um, looking at his stats going into like or early in 2016. He was on pace to have the same kind of numbers that Hall of Fame linebacker Jack Ham had. Like th- that's crazy. Like he was putting up yeah. really good production earlier on in his career. Now he's had these injuries. I've almost one. I almost wonder if they've kind of just like sapped him, you know, of that ability to this point. But I don't know. I thought he played like solid in the uh, against the Saints. Like if you go back and watch that game, I think he was pretty solid in that game. Not again, not great. Um, I don't think he's bad, you know, by any means. He's not a liability out there. It's just so it kind of comes down to price. And I think uh, he's going to have an interesting market because of his injury issues and because of the recent lack of playmaking. I think it's kind of in the same boat as Darby, like I said earlier, a little bit in the sense of. There could be a situation where he goes out and the market isn't what it expected to be or was what he was expecting it to be. So he doesn't really get that great yeah. deal. So he kind of comes back on a one-year prove-it deal and you try to make it work for one more season, see if he can have a good year, and then maybe go test the market again next year, get a better offer. So I don't know. Uh, he is one of the better linebackers, I think, in free agency when you look at the list out there. So it takes his one team to kind of just really like him. And, you know, he was a third round pick in 2015. Maybe some other teams had him relatively high on their board and they feel like they're desperate enough for linebacker help. So I think the Eagles, again, they shouldn't close the door on Jordan Hicks, but I'm not going to say it's likely that he's back. Yeah, and it's unlikely they spend an early pick, probably a first-day pick on a linebacker. That's just not what this team does, and right. the strength of the draft is obviously lying in other places. So if you're not going to upgrade from free agency, uh, and if Hort Hicks is really the best option in free agency, you might as well just bring him back. But um, just had a very very disappointing season, I thought, just in, in not being able to get those turnovers like you talked about. Um, just a couple other guys here, and what we can run. Th- I'll just ask you, like uh, Richard Rodgers, uh, Jordan sure. Matthews, no. Jay Ajayi, uh, uh, DJ, yeah, <laughs> uh, DJ Alexander. Um, I mean, some of these. Why not? Yeah, and uh, Rick Lovato. I mean, it's th- these are all some guys. Yeah, I mean, it's the we with the big guys. There are some really intriguing names. The Eagles have to make some decisions on some of those guys. Um, the ones we just mentioned at the end, most of them won't be back, and if the ones that are probably won't. Uh, would just be a, a small little ripple in the ocean uh, as far as the Kegel's cap space situation is concerned. Coming up, uh, we're going to go over Super Bowl 52. BLG and, uh, and I will give you our quick preview of the, uh, of the, uh, uh, the, the, gosh, who's playing? The Patriots and the Rams. I wanted to say the Falcons for some reason. I don't know why. Uh, the oh, Rams Atlanta, and. Probably. Yeah, I guess that's where my head is. Yeah, it's in Atlanta, 
So, um, but the the Patriots and the Rams on Sunday evening, uh, Super Bowl Fifty Three. We'll give you our preview coming up right after this here on BGN Radio. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, we've put it off long enough, BLG. Uh, there is a a large football game being played in Atlanta on Sunday evening, and you know the Super Bowl just isn't as much fun without the Eagles in it. But you know, you and I are football fans. We will watch Super Bowl Fifty Three. We'll watch the Patriots and the Rams, two teams neither of us like very much, and. I don't know whether BLG, it's just that the Eagles aren't in it and they were last year, but the city is not up for this game. Nobody is really feeling this game, I don't think, a whole lot because there isn't a team to really root for as far as I can tell. There's reasons to root against the Patriots and there's reasons to root against the Rams too. And I think when I sit down and I start watching the game, I'll end up pulling for the Rams, but I'm not going to feel good about it. I'm not going to feel good about rooting for Sean McVay and Jared Goff. Um, what do you, when you sit down on Sunday, what, who do you think you'll be pulling for? Ah, man, I'm not going to be pulling for anyone. Uh, I can't use that phrasing. I have to use who I will be rooting against. And before I get to that, I will say that I am trying to look at this game as if, um, you know, I can I can find joy in one of these teams losing. That's what I'm going to try to focus on. Like one of these teams is going to lose, <laughs> yeah. and I'm going to enjoy that. Like that's that's my focus. Uh, trying to put it in the most positive light, I guess, as I can for me personally. Uh, so I, I laid out all the reasons today in a post on BleedingGreenNation.com. You should go check it out if you haven't already. I just feel like there is more reason to root against the Rams than there is the Patriots. I really do. And I think it... I was feeling that too, buddy. I think the crux of it comes down to if the Patriots win, so what? Like, who cares? Like, it'll... They'll care, obviously. But I'm saying, like, as the sports world in general turns, like, okay, they won again. There'll be, like, a week of coverage or whatever on ESPN. But it'll just be like, okay... You know, whatever. Like, that's it. They won again. Great. Cool. Like, it's not going to be this whole big ordeal that, like, oh, they won and blah, blah, blah. Like, I just, like, and I, I just don't see how it changes anything from what we know. Like, they're already a great yeah, dynasty, it doesn't. whatever. Like, it's just whatever. And I'm sorry, but, like, the Patriots aren't really, truly an Eagles rival. Like, they're not truly. I mean, in a way, like, I get why. And they are in the way that we want to beat them, but just like mm-hmm. everyone thinks they're rivals of the Patriots because they're really good and everyone wants to beat them. Like that's just that's not it's nothing special to the Eagles is what I'm trying to say for the most part. Sure. And I just think conceptually too, like just as an AFC team in general, like they're just not a really they're not a real Eagles rival. You play that team once every four years in the regular season. Like that's just not a team you really have a rivalry with. That's why. You know, you yeah. always talk about like Steelers Eagles being a rivalry. It's it's not. It's stupid. Like they play once every four years. It doesn't matter. The Rams are in the NFC. The Eagles play them potentially a lot. So like that's that's not a team I want to see win. And we you know how I feel as you personally and the audience about Sean McVay. He's overrated. The Rams don't deserve to be in this game. They 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 benefited from a horrible, too horrible missed calls in the NFC yep. Championship game. Sean McVay was a total coward. And that decision should have Total cost him coward. the game. It should have cost him the game. Yep. So I don't want to hear how he's an offensive genius. Like that, that <laughs> I'm getting so worked up already. But that's that's seriously <laughs> Love it. Do it. Keep going. That's seriously driving me insane. It's that's that's what I can't take. I guess that's why I have to root against the Rams more. Because like it just drives me insane. It makes me feel like I'm taking crazy pills when we're talking about oh Sean McVay offensive genius when he's being a total coward and it should have cost the Rams the game, but it didn't, and it had nothing to do with him, by the way, why it didn't. It was just total luck. It took it took literally one of the worst calls in playoff history to bail out Sean McVay. So I don't want to hear how he's an offensive genius. I, it's so stupid. And the reason I get mad about it is because we've seen how this hype is harmful. It cost Doug Peterson coach of the year last year. It's a joke. He yep. shouldn't have won it. The Rams had an impressive turnaround last year in 2017. Yes. I'm not saying Sean McVay is a bad coach. I think he's a good coach. I don't think he's a great coach. I think that's bullshit to say he is. 
And look, you got me swearing already just because I'm getting so. <laughs> um, it, it is. Is this so ridiculous? You look at that season, and the Rams had literally no injuries until like week 14 when they lost their starting cornerback, Kayvon Webster. And then they lost their kicker in week 17. Big whoop. The Eagles had a ton of injuries last year. They had a ton of injuries this year. The Rams are also very healthy this year. And so that's the the McVay part of it. Now, let me get to the golf part of it. Like, you know, John, that we are just going to be hearing so much stupid stuff about, oh, Jared Goff has a Super Bowl before Carson Wentz. Like, this is bad for Carson yep. Wentz. Like, first of all, that's just stupid because it has nothing to do with Carson Wentz. Second of all, well, it's not like the Eagles passed on Jared Goff, by the way. Like, they picked two. So, like, what is that even supposed right. to mean? Like, the Eagles picked the wrong guy? Like, they, they never had the chance to draft Jared Wentz Goff. Wentz was the MVP last year. He got them to where they needed to get to for the Super Bowl, too. I mean, Wentz was as responsible for a Super Bowl title as anybody else oh, last year. Oh, you can't say that. Ah. People don't acknowledge that. And <laughs> it is insane to me, <laughs> excuse me, how we're talking about, <laughs> like, Jared Goff um, as anything – anything kind of special or good. He's been terrible in the playoffs. I don't like, how are we not talking about this more collectively? I feel like he, again, no, I know his playoff stats are very bad. <laughs> he is completing 50 under 57% of his passes. He's averaging 6.5 yards per attempt, which is not good. He has two touchdowns, one interception and a 78.9 passer rating. He stinks. He is. He has not been good in the playoffs. So I just like I don't want to hear that just because Jared Goff wins the game, especially like watch it be a game where like the defense plays well, he doesn't even play well, and then will be people will be talking about how you know that's a a mark against Carson Wentz somehow. So I just can't take it. I don't want to hear all that stupid stuff, and I think that's what happens if the Rams win. So there you go. I don't want the Rams to win the Super Bowl. I, I, that's exactly the tune I was singing last week when you we were talking about this, because that was my initial reaction as well. You know, I don't want to see golf win a Super Bowl before, officially win a Super Bowl before Wentz. Now, Wentz held the trophy last year with the Eagles, and again, he got them off to a 12-3 and start last year and set that whole damn thing up. Without Carson Wentz, they don't go to the Super Bowl last year. They, they, the, He was responsible for getting that team in the position where Foles had to win three games to win the title. So I feel, you know, I don't believe it would be golf win, golf wins a Super Bowl before Wentz. Wentz has won a Super Bowl. He was as responsible for it as anybody else on that team last year. But nevertheless, that's going to be the narrative, as you, as you just said. And, you know, when you look at the Patriots side, you know, do, I, I feel... I don't even want to say that I feel a little bit bad for Tom Brady, but you know that what the storyline is going to be here is Tom Brady, Tom Brady's redemption in the Super Bowl. You know that he cost his team the after throwing for more than 500 yards in Super Bowl 52, it was his fumble at the end of the game that cost the Patriots a chance to win. And he has played like a man possessed in the playoffs and he he wants to keep that rolling and and i you think the i think the broadcast will more than likely you you'll be able to hear the them pulling for for brady and and for him to 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 mat to get that sixth title and so that's going to be tough to listen to as well but i do think i agree with you the ram stuff is going to be more insufferable so i i'm not sure when i sit down on the couch i'm not sure which way i'm going to be leaning it's going to be it's going to it's probably going to take a quarter before I know exactly who I'm rooting for and rooting against. And at the end of the day, I, I think I just want to see a good football game, and I, I don't really know who I'm rooting against more at this point. Um, but BLG, when we're looking at the actual play on the field, obviously, in my mind, I think this is a big mismatch. I, I think the Patriots are a far superior team to the Rams. Uh, I, I think the way that New England comes into this game, they're playing better. I, I don't really see a weakness on New England right now. Their defense is playing well. Look at how they really stifled the Chiefs for most of the game in the AFC Championship game. Uh, Tom Brady and the running game and the offensive line are, are moving the ball almost at will. And I just don't see a whole lot of weaknesses right now with the Patriots. I also think they're hungrier than I than they have been in a long time. So I guess my question to you is, what is the most important thing that each team needs to do in order to win on Sunday? Well, I think the biggest thing the Rams have working in their favor is that the and I've been saying this way before the Rams are in the Super Bowl. The NFL wants football to succeed in Los Angeles. So 
is it a coincidence that we saw one of the worst calls in the playoff history go in the Rams' favor last or a couple weeks ago? I don't know. I'm just raising the question. Um, <laughs> okay. uh, I, I do think there is something to that, though, because last year you saw it with like with Coach of the Year, and pretty much like every other award went to the Rams. Like, and I totally think that's a thing. Like, they we, we got to have football, you know, look like it's succeeding in L.A. So that kind of makes me nervous about this whole thing. I just feel like. I don't know. I just feel like there there could be something weird that kind of gets screwy, and and this the Rams benefit again from that sense. Um, hoping that that's just a conspiracy thing, and I'm wrong, but I don't know. It's kind of makes me a little bit of nervous. Um, I think that you know the biggest thing the Rams have working in their favor for real on, on football <laughs> is Aaron Donald, and the yeah. fact that you know everyone always talks about like you got to get pressure on Brady. Like yeah, I mean yeah, I, that's that goes without saying, but what kind of pressure? And the pressure that's, you know, like generally I feel like hardest to generate is interior pressure. And by the way, most effective on Tom Brady as Brandon Graham over Shaq Mason would let you know how that works out. (laughs) So I think that's, you know, I think that's why the Rams have somewhat of a chance in this one, just because like if Aaron Donald has a monster game and he's very capable of doing that, then, you know, he could come up with some huge plays that kind of neutralize Brady a little like to, to a certain extent. So I think that's why the Rams have the chance in this one. But I mean, how can you really pick against Brady and Belichick when you're just looking at the other you know, the other coach and the other quarterback on the other sideline. Like Brady over Goff is a huge edge. I just told you, you know, like Goff has been terrible in the playoffs. Like how can you not <laughs> like Brady over him? And then with Belichick, I mean, like Doug Peterson outcoached him last year. I'm not saying it's impossible that some up-and-comer can do it, but I just feel like, like again, McVay just isn't that great of a coach to me. I just he's not. He's a good coach, but he's not a great coach. And Bill Belichick, for the most part, is a great coach. Um, hopefully, Bill Belichick doesn't decide to randomly sit one of his defensive starters in this game, like he did last year. That'd probably be that'd probably help them win this year this time. Um, so, barring him doing something stupid like that. I just feel better about the Patriots as a whole. I don't think I, I don't know if I can go as far as you when <laughs> saying they're going to blow them out. Um, yeah. But I feel like they win. And generally, I'm fine with that. Like, obviously, I never want to see the Patriots win, you know, if it can be helped. But unfortunately, it's just the unavoidable thing here. And I, I guess they'll win and whatever. We'll all be zero and zero on Monday and we can look forward to hopefully winning and potentially hopefully never allowing the Patriots to win a Super Bowl after this year. And I think, you know, going back into some of the reasons to be rooting against the Rams is don't you want the Eagles to be the last team that ever beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl Yep, and be the one team that beat them in the Super Bowl over the last four trips, New England's last four trips there. I mean, just another thing to think about. Yeah, no, absolutely. I am totally on board with that. I, I think the thing for me, uh, in order for the Rams to pull this off, I, I think they need to have a big game from Todd Gurley. And, you know, we forget about how good Todd Gurley is, but the, the Rams have become a running team. Since Cooper Cup went out, the offense has has just fallen apart. The passing game has not been as good as it was early in the season when it was just dynamic. And they have not figured out a way to replace Cup. Instead, they've turned to the running game. And I think if... if if the Rams are going to be able to keep up with New England, they're going to have to keep New England's offense off the field, and they're going to have to get a lot, of, a big game out of Todd Gurley. And it's good that he's gotten a week to rest and get healthy for this game. But if they don't, if they don't get a big performance out of Gurley here in this one, I don't see how they can keep up with New England. Because while I do believe in Aaron Donald and I do believe in postseason in Dominican Sue, I think the Patriots just do such a good job of getting the ball out quickly. Yeah. that it's going to neutralize those two guys. And it's going to be up to the L.A. offense to kind of keep up like the Eagles offense did last year. And I just don't see that with Jared Goff at quarterback. So um, to me, that's those are the most important uh, most important things for, for the Rams to, in order to kind of stay in this game. But as I mentioned, BLG, I am not feeling good. Uh, if you're a Rams fan, I would not be feeling good about this game. Um as I'm thinking about my prediction here, BLG, I am reminded that 
In their five Super Bowls, the Patriots have won by three points, three points, three points, six on an overtime walk-off touchdown, and then four points in uh, the Seahawks game. And all three of their losses were close, too. So New England Super Bowls, the history is that this is going to be a close game. I don't see it. I think this is a game. I think New England is mad. I think New England is, frankly, I think they're pissed off. I think um, uh, Tom Brady is motivated. I think Bill Belichick is motivated. Last year, I don't think they came into the Super Bowl last year motivated as much as this year. They 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 started off that game in a fog in, in Super Bowl 52. Belichick benching Malcolm Butler at the start of the game is still as mystifying a move as, as I've ever seen. And... I don't think there's going to be anything like that here. I think the I think the Patriots are going to come out and I think they're due for a Super Bowl win where they blow somebody out. This 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 dynasty to to win this many Super Bowls by such close margins, I, I think they're due for a big blowout. And I just don't think the Rams have I, I think it's it's too big a stage for Jared Goff at this point and they're going to get down early. I think it's going to get away from them, like some of the old Super Bowls that we used to watch where the games are over by halftime. I think you could see something similar to that here. So I'm going to say Patriots 38, Rams 17, BLJ. Wow. That would be uh, quite I, – I, <laughs> oh, man. Offensive genius <laughs> Sean McVay only putting up 17 points in the Super Bowl, huh? Um, yeah, I I think it's going to be a 10-point game, I'll, I'll say. I think it's a little bit uh, – you know, it would be the biggest Patriots win. You know, as of you know the scores you just read off there. So I think I think they do win. I just like again, why am I taking the Rams? Like, why am I taking them? I just like, what's the reasoning that I feel so great about them? I just I don't see it when you look at the most two important things, which is uh, you know, coach, quarterback. Um, their their offensive line is very good. You know, maybe they do some ball control stuff, like you said. But I think actually the Patriots will probably be able to do that more to them. And because that's kind of what they've been doing in the playoffs. That's how they beat the Chiefs there. They, they just didn't let them touch the ball, right? You know, early on yeah. that game, like the Chiefs had a couple three and outs and the Patriots were just, you know, putting together these big drives and the, and the Chiefs couldn't even do anything. So I think we could see something similar here in this game. I think it's a 10-point win. Maybe it's close until the end. I don't know that it's uh, necessarily Patriots the whole way. Uh, it could be close until the end and then the Patriots kind of just break away late in the game. Uh, I don't have any massive, exciting prediction for this one. I just think 10-point game. Patriots win 33, and I'm giving them that score, obviously, because that's the number they scored in the Super Bowl last year when they lost. (laughs) And Rams 23. All right. Well, uh, you know, listen, these Super Bowls are always worth watching. And if it's a blowout, you, you at least get to watch some commercials, um, which are actually almost always dumb, too. But BLG, <laughs> any final thoughts before we wrap up uh, episode number 35 here? Yeah, I mean, you know, Eagles have already gotten started on some of their offseason stuff. In addition to the Rodney McLeod restructure, you know, they re-signed Paul Warlow, which is obviously huge news. Um, just, you know, backup linebacker who will provide some depth for the team uh, after getting hurt on literally the first day of OTAs last year. That was, that was tough. Um, yeah. One of the impacts, well, the few impacts of the Corey Nelson signing was him taking out Paul Warlow. Um, so, you know. Uh, off season coming up here. Lots of things to talk about. Lots of things to figure out. We will, of course, be with you here to talk about it all. It'll be fun. You can leave us reviews on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, all that good stuff to help continue to support the podcast. Look, you're not paying to listen to BGN Radio. It's free. At least you can do. You know, drop us a review if you like it. Tell us what you do like on the podcast, what you don't like, and we would really appreciate it. So, as always. Thanks, John, for a good – this is, the, I guess, the official kind of end of the 2018 season here with the Super Bowl mm-hmm. coming up. So it's been a good season, and here's to a very exciting and busy offseason. Absolutely, BLG. Looking forward to 2019 and the Eagles getting back into this game that we're going to watch on Sunday afternoon. That will do it for episode number 35 of BGN Radio. For Brandon Lee Gowton, I'm John Stolness. Again, follow Brandon on Twitter at Brandon Gowton. You can follow me on Twitter at John Stolness. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll talk to you all next week right here on BGN Radio. That doesn't make sense.